This morning, I have a brief presentation of our prophetic history, and then I want to go into the trajectory forward. But why do we want to do that? Why are you guys all here? It's really important to understand prophetic foundations because Daniel warns us that in the end times, we will run to and fro. And some of us can be running to and fro with good things, but are we missing the God thing? And I just want to say that I hope that this opens your eyes. Some of you have heard this before. The Israelites, when they got across the Red Sea and saw this miraculous deliverance of the Lord, within three days they were complaining. And they lost the prophetic understanding. And so I want to take this time to really delve into the prophetic understanding. You know what you're stepping into, what you're involved in, and why we're doing what we're doing. We're not just crazy folks. We want to go to the step-off place, which for me was in October of 2000. We are, we're fairly well established with our family and our work situation, but I came under a tremendous warfare and to the point where I was really struggling for my health and my life. I got a valley fever and had to take some time off work, which was just, it was just, it's a multiple thing. And so I was just flat on my face before the Lord pressing in. And I said, God, why all of this? We'd just gone through a massive bout of warfare and landed on our two feet. But it was like, whoa, what's happening? And he took me into the, an open vision where I saw two towers explode in front of me. And out of the clear blue sky, a giant pair of hands came down, picked up the rubble, and when he opened it up, it was Big Ben. But the, that was astounding. But what happened was the entire atmosphere cleared. And I could feel the healing power of God come through my body. And within several months, I was totally free of a valley fever, off medicines, which is unusual. You're usually on it for at least a year. I said, what in the world did you just show me? And within a couple of weeks of pressing into the Lord, I landed in 2 Kings 11. And 2 Kings 11 is the story of how a watch saved a nation. And it saved, I believe, the last seed of David for the coming of Jesus. And I won't say any more about that, but it's a very key, critical turning point in the Old Testament where the entire line, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but when you really read it, it's, whoa, what happened here? From Ahab and Jezebel to Athaliah and her husband Jehoram, they killed not only the adult people in line for the king kingdom, but they killed all the children of inheritance, except that the priests hid away baby Joash for six years in the temple. And then during that time, they set up the watch. They called their generals into order. They set up the watch, and at the right time, they presented the king to Israel. This is the true king of Israel. The atmosphere here has made my mouth dry. So, <clears throat> Can you imagine what happened? That all of a sudden, this rule, this evil rule shifted. And what Dean was talking, the time and the season has shifted. And an entire new era hit Israel. And it was the watch that really set the stage for the presentation of the true king. 
I believe that's what is happening in the nations and why you are here. We're be, we are preparing the earth for the return of the true king. So that's what that whole vision was about. And this was before 9-11. <laughs> then 9-11 hit, <clears throat> and so I was able to actually recreate what I saw. And <clears throat> there's another turn of events that I just found about in January. A Big Ben is like a icon of world times and the Lord spoke to me about a global watch I'm like what the heck is that why are you speaking to an ophthalmologist about a global watch I don't even know what that is and except that in 98 we were called by Peter Wagner and there was a real concern towards America about what was going to happen in California and with a massive earthquake and they said, would you convene a meeting for us? So we did. And this was in 1998. Chuck Pierce was part of that. And he came and released a very powerful word about establishing the watch. And that was a, spirit, a meeting that I have not been in ever since. The spirit poured out like water, like a massive river. And people were on their faces. They stayed in the, the church all night. Some of them people stayed in the church all night on their faces. And it was just like, whoa, what just hit? And they, literally something was released in California, and they were just sent out like an explosion. But I can tell you that the prayer movement was not mature enough to handle it. And with agony, we watched the whole thing wither away when was six months everything was dead and I was in agony because I saw the heartbeat of God and within a year of that the Lord just really picked us up like with a collar he said you establish my word and I'm like okay so we began to call people from our region and we called it the Kern Regional Prayer Watch and we held watches every week for about 15 16 years and I didn't realize that, but it was training ground for what we were doing now. I just want to get back to this open vision. In January of this year, I found an, another angle about Big Ben. And a DMM worker that it works in Saudi Arabia called me. He had heard about this open vision. He said, did you know that they've been building Big Ben over Kaaba in Mecca? I said, but... Look at that. You see the similarity? That is what is over Mecca. That's known as the Kaaba. It is the most holy site in Mecca. That's where everybody goes every year to march around that cube. Apparently, that's what they believe Abraham and Ishmael built. But it is the most holy site in Mecca, in Islam. You guys, we are in a massive war, and this is heralding the time for the watchmen, the true watchmen, to stand up so that all this twisting and denial of the true Jesus really is dealt with. Do you see the importance of the global watch here? We are in a war. We are in really perilous times. And, but God has the answer. Remember, Isaiah 60 was mentioned twice on a Sunday, what, Saturday night? Though a deep darkness is over the earth, the light will rise. So anyway, that's what's happened now in, in, it's a reflection of the global watch. So 
We continued to have the original prayer watch, and in November of 2014, this is now 14 years later, and we're on this training ground of what the watch is all about. And we called California people that we knew to our home, and he said, couldn't we now establish the word that I know that God has for California? And the group just came into tremendous agreement, and the California Prayer Watch has been going ever since where there are seven cities now holding the watch every morning, and we just join in who can join in. But after everybody left that weekend, Fred and I went out on a prayer drive. And this is just a few, within a mile of our home, but we looked out the window to our right, and I said, Fred, you've got to stop and see this thing. <laughs> and literally this, you can go to the next slide, this pillar of fire was within maybe 100 feet of our car. And I said, where? What is that? And we were sat and watched that thing for what? I don't know, 15 minutes? I had at least presence of mind to get a picture of it. But it was like, what is this thing? It was a pillar of fire. That's the only thing I could tell you it was. But then we, we were in awe and a little bit confused and in fear of the Lord of what this thing was. Next slide. This is this thing. We started moving, and that thing started lifting up and started moving across the sky. This is it 20 minutes later. And I felt, what are you saying in that? And the, I felt like the Lord said, it's time for the watch to move. And literally, we were in, at that time in California, a severe drought. So the group that in our home decided that it's time for a trumpet call in California in 2015. And you can go to the next slide. Is that? Yeah. So as we decided to do that, and I was seeking the Lord about it, he said, you will hear from heaven that I have heard, and this you will, I will send you rain. I didn't have the nerve to say it to anybody except for Fred. But literally, we had this, this convening of whoever will. There's probably a hundred of us there. It wasn't all that big. But I was cleaning up afterwards and taking stuff out to the car, and I felt this raindrop on my cheek. And I looked up in the sky, dear God, you are actually going to perform your word. And literally, out of nowhere, a thunderstorm hit our city. But not only did it hit our city, it hit the entire West Coast. There was hail in the desert in July. That does not happen. And pretty soon, I got calls from some people who knew how we, that we were meeting. And they said, what the heck did you guys do? <laughs> Not only did that meeting birth the California Prayer Watch, but that the watch went across the United States, and it has been going ever since. And we passed the torch every morning from East Coast to West Coast, praying to the Lord. And I said, I'm not one who is going to send you out prayer points. You guys seek the Lord and decide what the Lord is putting on your heart every morning, and that's what we're doing. So anyway, that's what birthed the USA Watch. But not only that, the next slide, please. 
I was invited to a small group of meeting, people meeting in London, All Nations Christian College. There's about 30 of us there, and he said, the Lord says, speak out your vision here. Now, you guys, this is really the first time I, have, I ever spoke it out to a group that I didn't know. <laughs> and what happened was, the, honestly, the spirit of the Lord fell. And there are still people on the watch, involved with the watch, that were at that meeting. The next slide. That very day, we got news that Big Ben ticked ahead seven seconds. You can still read about it in Wikipedia. Do you think God has something here for us? Yeah, wow. So that, that put a little emphasis on what we were saying. We heard about it that day because it was going across the news in the UK. And not only that... But when we went out that morning, or that afternoon after that session, we looked up in the sky. Look, they said, there's a 1X1 in the sky. I wish I'd gotten a picture of that, a 9-11 in the sky. So before I leave the 9-11 emphasis, <laughs> I want to tell you something. That on 9-11-2001, you know what scriptures were read in synagogues around the world? Isaiah 61.10 to 63.9, which includes Isaiah 62.6 and 7. God was calling forth the watchman. And I just, I really don't like sharing this, and please take it. I'm not trying to promote myself at all, but my birthday happens to be 9-11. And those same scriptures were spoken on the day that I was born. <laughs> You can't run away from a call like that. <laughs> and so, within a few years of 9-11 actually happening, I am the most wonderful husband in the whole world. But I said, Fred, I can't run away from this. I have to pursue God and what this really means. So by 2006, I gave up my medical practice, which I loved. I love medicine. I love helping people. But I had to pursue 9-11. I had call, and so here I am today talking to you. It's, it was a complete reversal for me, and you don't do ministry like you do medicine. You don't just tell people what to do. <laughs> you have to relearn your restructured from the inside out, and that's been a process, believe me. <laughs> And that's probably why God took 15 years before I went public. <laughs> I still tell people what to do. <laughs> but I try hard. Anyway, you can go to the next slide. As we went through this, after, especially after the meeting in England and Big Ben deal, oof, what, what was going on? And this was the time where we found out about Fred's background with Kampf and Zinzendorf. We knew that the 290-year anniversary is coming up in Heritage. And so in 2016, we decided we would come to Herrenhut and just see if there was a possibility. So we landed in this quiet little village. And it was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I think. And our host, Mechtild, I don't know if she's here. Yeah, there she is. Mechtild, you stand up. I don't know if you remember that day, but we sure do. And we got out, and we looked down the street, and there's this diplomatic corps coming up the street. And she said, that's the president of Germany. I'm like, what? You can't make this stuff up, guys. And Curious George, we followed them up. And 
<laughs> they went up to God's Acre and landed at Count von Zinzendorf's grave site. And we just watched from a distance. And then one of his, I don't know, we call him Secret Service agents, came up to us. And what are you doing here? We're just visiting. And we told him a little bit of our stories. And he goes, oh, why don't you come over and meet the president? <laughs> but, John, you were with us. And we went over and told the president a little bit about why we were there. And what happened? He welcomed us into Germany. <laughs> doesn't get any better than right there at Kampfenzinsendorf's grave. So <clears throat> we held our first meeting here in 2017. You can put the uh, next slide. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but a couple hours before the meeting, a thunderstorm ro roll, uh, yes, rolled in, and lightning hit God's acre, and it shook the entire village. And it made me fall on my knees. It was, oh, God, the Lord of hosts is here. <laughs> oh, God. And the fear of the Lord really struck. But if you look back on that meeting, some of you were there. It was crazy. I won't even go into it. But I want you to know that we were in the midst of a power encounter. The thunderstorm that had rolled in shut down half of the airports in Europe. That's how big this thing was. So there's a major call here. I'm pointing to, there's a seed that God want, God's pointing to that he wants to release into the nations because the power of God is behind it to deliver us and to bring us into a new era. And your word last night articulated the sound of what that is all about. And next slide. One of the key things that we are being called to do, of course, according to Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, he's going to build up the walls. And I believe that means not only the physical walls, but the spiritual walls around Jerusalem because he's preparing, preparing for a power encounter. And he's preparing us for the power encounter. And if the warfare has been a little difficult, my compassion is with you, but it's time to buckle up. But this was, this was, and we heard about the marriage of the Lamb. Look at that cloud. That was in Shiloh. That appeared over us when we were there. That's like hoopa, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That appeared, and I just wanted to share that with you. Israel is very important to us, and we are looking at doing the first Global Watch Israel, right, Karen, gathering Probably next spring, we haven't decided on the dates, but it's going to be, an, what, a, a spirit of Elijah convening right on top of Mount Carmel. It doesn't get any better than that. And this is all because of relationships that God has formed over the years that we took to develop this. So what does the Bible say about the watchman? And I believe that what has fold, unfolded over this long gestation time are three really biblical mandates of the watchman. One is the individual call of the watchman, and I won't go into depth of that today. If you want to, there is a book that I just wrote, Remnant Rising. I would definitely encourage you to get it. I go into a deeper explanation of some of these biblical mandates the individual, the corporate call, and the end time call. In fact, the last chapter I go through Matthew 24 and how it's manifesting today and a lot of the research behind that. So there's the cor corporate call, and I we value these meetings. They're very important. The he Hebraic 
people really are so community-oriented. But we in the Western world, we rough it and tough it. And, and <laughs> that's where our character is actually developed. But we have on the table back there our beliefs and core values. And those who are in leadership in the watch, I invite you to really look at it because it will save your lives. <laughs> it has saved our lives several times. I just, you guys, this is a little bit sticky. Just go back to our core values and take a look, and then we'll talk. <laughs> and anyway, it, they're very important for us, and it really does help keep community life healthy. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there's a book. Can you take this? Another book that I recently wrote is called Unleashed, Unlocking the Power of Corporate Prayer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. This I discovered, this is in 19, 2019. The doors opened to do a master's degree in, from Vanguard University. And I, through our church, and I'm like, God, I, you're not calling me to do that. I don't, now I go back to school now. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And he said, do it. So I did it. <laughs> and within this, about the first or second class, I ran across Barna's study on the state of prayer in America. And it was called Silent and Solo. In it, he states that 2% of the American church are involved in corporate prayer. Now that was foreign to me because I love the House of Prayer movement. And I, he did, I don't think he tested anybody in the House of Prayer movement. But it was a state of prayer. And I can tell you, confess to you today, our church is very much in positive in prayer. But I started looking at all the literature out there on corporate prayer and I found about three studies. And I started looking at the prayer material out there, and it's all about solo. We've, we've lost something here in the American church. And I can guess that it's in the European church. That's why we're in trouble. Because the call of the watchman is to be together. If, if we're called to war and the trumpet sounds, how can we gather unless we know where we, each other is? And that's the state that we're trying to recuperate with the watch. We have got to understand community, not only in our local community, but to the global community. And now I'm getting a feel like there's enough connection that we can actually rally when the trumpet sounds. Yeah, the, uh, both books are available on Kindle through Amazon. So can you get them? Anyway, that was mind-blowing to me, and I realized, you know what, that's why I'm here. And that Unleashed book is my master's thesis on steroids. <clears throat> but I, I would really encourage you to do this because it really articulates more of the biblical foundations of corporate prayer. You know what, 99% of prayer in the Bible is corporate. We've got to get back to that. And to not only that, but lead your churches into it. That's where the ecclesia has fallen down, and that's why we have all this crap out there. Excuse my language. I'm a little passionate about this. <laughs> I want you to be passionate about it. Receive the anointing to receive the anointing to spread the word, spread the, spread the seed of Heronhood, who understood community.
It was Kalfan Sintendorf said that there is no Christianity without community. If we're not in community, we are not being tested in our character. And that means the prayer movement too. And that's where I've learned my lessons too. And I'm very thankful for it. Some of them have been hard. But you buckle up and you get before the Lord and let him change your character and your insides out. And you come out fresh and clean. So one of the things we are adamant about is discipling watchmen so you can disciple your churches and your local community. We are about local to global. Don't just go global and say, this is my community. I'm going to commission you to go out into your local communities and start influencing them. And the nation, then we've gone through a number of, uh, of, of study books, one that we just finished. If you weren't a part of it, go back and listen on, online. We've got the sessions online. And read the book. More important, read the book, Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. I've never read anything like that that has really helped solidify character within me. And I would highly recommend your reading it. So enough on that. We, every Monday, we, the first watch of the week, we call The Journey. And it's at 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. And we are discipling. And we're going to be entering into a new study now after this, this summit. So why do you do the watch? I can tell you that there is an absolute transformational impact when the watch is in place. And this doesn't mean like hundreds of people even in your own community. It could be two, three, four. It could be 10. It could be 50. I don't know. what Whatever number it is, but it is together that you do it. And one of the first things we did with the, our watch, the Kern Regional Prayer Watch, was there is a river that goes through our city. And we decided it's so ugly, it's so swampy, it's yucky. And we went to the edge of that river, and we had a time of prayer. We actually built an altar. This was the thing that got us onto an altar, where we put down stones and declared scripture. And we actually buried a Bible. And do you know what erupted a few <laughs> years later? It's a beautiful park that now families go to. We, we walk, River Walk Park, they call it. We go there often for a walk, and there's families all around there having a Sunday afternoon picnic or whatever. But that's a transformational change. And when another time, you can next slide. I'm sorry, I'm not telling you very well. Am I? I'm multitasking up here. Hurricane Patricia was the strongest storm that was about to hit the West Coast. Hurricane, yeah, there it is. Hurricane Patricia, it was the strongest tropical cyclone hurricane in record worldwide in terms of wind speed, 215 miles an hour. It was about to hit the West Coast in Mexico. So we called some people we knew in Mexico. We alerted the West Coast watch and said, we've got to pray about this thing. Do you know what happened? That thing hit the Mexico coast, and it split in two and became a tropical storm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and with Biden's Mideast trip now, just this last week, we were all on to that because it was entering into the dire straits. And Rick Ridings felt like 12, at 12 noon, let's mobilize 12, moon, 12 minutes of worship and just go for it. And then Heijong had a vision for 
12 hours of prayer that would follow that. And then we had a vision for every week, 21 days during the dire straits. And that was mobilized into place. And what did we hear about Biden's trip? Not much. It fell into nothing, <laughs> which I think is probably protective right now. So anyway, that, that pretty much covers our history. And I hope you get an idea that God is in this watch and he is preparing the earth for his return. That's what this is ultimately about. And we are seeing miraculous things come out of uh, us relating to each other. It doesn't work to split off into your own thing. It's an invitation for all nations to join together in this community of believers and from, like I said, local to global. So I just want to go now into what do we see going forward? You can do the next slide. <clears throat> we, like I said earlier, we are really living in perilous times. And I believe, uh, Dean, you articulated what we are entering into. This is a new season. And I, in 2020, when the USA elections did this turnaround, it inspired a prophetic swirl in our nation. But the Lord really spoke to my heart. and He said, I've allowed this. He's allowed America to decrease because there's other things he's going to increase. And the increase isn't necessarily going to be good. But in the spite of that, the light of the church is going to rise. The challenges any one of us are facing today are not to be feared but to be understood from a perspective like what Kim just gave us. He's, and what we tried to express on Saturday night, it's the ecclesia he wants to bring into greater power, greater understanding, greater alignment with our Lord. And we cannot go into it with our old wineskins or our old mindsets. I believe we are in a Zechariah 3 time with Joshua, a high priest before the Lord, and the enemy was absolutely screaming into his head. Who knows? We all have that scream that is familiar to us. we got to cut it off, because when we do, that new turban is going to come on. I looked at that passage, what comes on first, the mantle or the turban? It's the turban, and then the mantle comes. So this mindset has got to shift to help us get into this new season. And do you know that, in, I'm going to just say this, because I feel bold. <laughs> in America, we're going to have blood on our streets. And it's already happening. Do you know, I think it is either Chicago or New York, a couple weekends ago, there was 50, 50 people that were shot. And in Seattle and Portland, they've got sections of the city where there's no law. That's an increase of lawlessness. And we really can't, we cannot trust what is in the news. Chapter 7 in Daniel really speaks to this time. He talks about four beasts. And that fourth beast, like Dean articulated yesterday, is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's not Rome. It's 
not Rome. If you want to read more about that, read Joel Richardson's The Mideast Beast. He really articulates this very much better, and I don't need to go into that today.